This is Michael Morgan, and welcome to Exploring Creativity. I've been hosting these conversations for over a year now, with the goal of uncovering new insights into the creative process. My goal is to help creative people make the best work of their lives. These conversations have fundamentally changed how I create, and I hope they'll do the same for you. Today's episode, like last week's, is another special episode. It's out of the chronological sequence from our last long batch of episodes, but it's something I wanted to release sooner than later. Today I'm speaking with Kinza Kasher. She is a senior research and design consultant at Deloitte. She is an adjunct professor at Farmingdale State College. She's an entrepreneur who created and sold a device which helps patients with MS receive better care. And she's a mentor to students at the School of Visual Arts. Having spoken to her many times, I know that she's even more than that. Um, she is a creative individual in many aspects of her life, not just the ones I've mentioned. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that as well. Uh, what's really interesting about her and I is that we both taught the same course on interaction design at Farmingdale State College. I say the same course because it's numbered and labeled the same, but they were obviously very different courses as we have different styles and different ideas on how to help education. And so her and I would speak regularly about education, how to best serve students, um, what the best ideal form of uh, college might look like for designers. And as we were speaking last week, I said, you know, why don't we get on air and continue this conversation? So I think this is a great platform to talk about creativity, uh, to talk about design, which is a form of creativity that I'm super passionate about. Uh, and it's also a great platform for me to introduce you to people that I'm honored to consider friends and collaborators and colleagues. So I want to welcome Kinza to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for, for joining. Um, I wanted to start off with a little bit of a story, something that you know, because I've admitted it to you one time before. Um, and admitted it to your class one time before, but uh, I think it's an important story because I think we often um, compare ourselves to others, uh, kind of project things onto others, assume things about other people that are doing things that are similar to you. Uh, it sounds a lot like comparison and competition, but anyway, um, so the story is that Way back when, I don't even remember when, um, our mutual friend and mentor, Jack Harris, who got us both the job at Farmingdale, would mention you all the time. What a great student you were and how talented you were and, and you were selling, you sold a business and all this stuff. And I remember just feeling like, wow, this person sounds amazing. I feel like I can never even uh, achieve anything nearly as amazing as what they've done. Um, and I always just felt, you know, he, he had such admiration for you. I said, wow, like I felt so small in comparison and it was completely a me thing. And, um, I remember when we first spoke, like the, like leading up to our first conversation, I, I had that somewhere in my head. Obviously I'd gotten a little bit over it, um, to even be able to have a conversation with you. Right. But at the same time, it was still there. And after we spoke for the first time, I remember that just disappearing. And it was just a nice reminder. And I mean, this, that story of you had, I'd known about you, I guess, since shortly after college. So like 
this was like a young version of me thought, but it's interesting how we carry these things forward and specifically comparison with people that are doing similar things to us. So I wanted to open up the episode with that story um, and this ad admitting of um, something that I was kind of ashamed about, you know, but something that I think is very human and common. And I speak about it to kind of let it go, let it free and and say, like, I'm so glad that I was able to get over it because you're here now and and getting to know you has been such a rewarding experience. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, first of all, everything that Jack told you, basically double it and apply that to yourself. And we may not have had the same list of like, you know, checkmark of like achievements and stuff like that. But like definitely like similar and if not more you in caliber. So I had a similar sort of like, you know, again, impression and understanding of you because Jack had similarly like, you know, talked about you. And I think you were also our senior in Farmingdale. And I think you may have visited class ones as well to just sort of like critique work and stuff like that. And so like, again, Jack had hyped you up so much. And I was like, all right, like, literally the same comparison boat as you where when he had first reached out to me he was like yeah so the other part of this course is actually gonna be taught by like michael and i'm like oh you yeah. finally get to meet this michael yay you know like but at the same time i was like all right like you know i wonder what that first conversation is going to be like and like you know i've heard so much about you so but to kind of like bring it back to the point of like what you were saying i think it's all us and it's like this very human moment of thinking like who's this person and you know all this like imagery that we create about that person um based on like again what we've heard about them etc and when you talk to them i feel like you know the best part is that you can either feel the wall come down and see them as you know the human being that they are which is awesome or yes like in some cases where i have seen you know people being exactly who they are they're like yeah i'm this person and you never get to like you don't be real with them but I feel like that did not happen with this. I feel like just by you breaking down that like ice and being vulnerable and like saying that, I feel like made me say that. And like immediately I feel like we connected because like that was out of the way and now we could start being real, right. you know? So I think like that was like the best. So thanks for doing that. And I think that is such a giant lesson in like just being yourself and being the right you know style of vulnerable and sort of like saying like this is what i really feel let me see how the world reacts to it um so thank you <laughs> well thank you um and the right style of vulnerable i i always take notes of certain quotes and things people say that is uh <laughs> that that's a good one i'm writing that down um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it has me thinking as you were saying it, like how many people must be doing this? Like right now in this moment, people having conversations that might feel inferior or superior to another person or vice versa. And like they're in conversation, but they're not like they're they're afraid to admit that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think like in a way what I've learned and why I did that is that like, you know, a lot of people I know that are in the creative field specifically or some of them are very successful people. And I know people, it's like, I, I know people that look up to them, but I just see them as a friend. 
And so it's like, when I see it from the outside, I'm like, oh, wow. Like if only they knew, like they'd probably be best friends, you know? And like, oh, it, it's so hard to get to that point of saying, hey, like, I think you're really great at this. Ultimately what it is, is like, hey, I think you're great at this thing. Um, I think I could be better at that thing. And that's why I'm not that thing. Um, and like, there's so much I could learn from you is in the same way of saying, uh, instead of keeping it in and just being like, ah, that person, like, why can't I be as good as them or whatever story you want to make up? Um, instead being like, Hey, I admire this about you. I think this is really great about you. And, um, you know, leaving it at that, not even comparing it to the self, just like, I think this is great about you, uh, is a great way to kind of just diffuse that insecurity that is just going to happen. It happens, you know, it's human. Totally. And you know, what's funny about that is that I feel like almost 95% of the time, if I've ever done that with a person, they might not acknowledge that about themselves. They'd be like, oh, interesting. Like, I would actually think like, it's my biggest insecurity or whatever. Like, no joke. Like, I mean, I've, so some of my colleagues at the School of Visual Arts, like a lot of us, I would say like about 50%, if not more of us are like, you know, um, international students and they come from like all sorts of like walks of life and countries and you know, and um, no joke, like I, you know, one of these, like one of my friends, very good friends, um, you know, she had a really great style of just like, you know, telling stories and, you know, making sort of like a, a point um, by bringing in these personal experiences and like, you know, really being, uh, you know, a great just storyteller. And I told her that I'm like, listen, when I'm listening to you, it feels like, you know, you brought me into your world and it's like beautiful. And she literally almost like thought she like looked at me and she was like, if you're being serious, thank you. But I feel like because English is not my second language and like I don't really know how to like pronounce certain words and stuff like that. It's my biggest insecurity. And I'm like who cares right like i mean it's crazy because some of the things that we just think like are our weaknesses are actually our strengths and like we need that external or that third party to let us know no that's actually like one of your strongest points so that's such a good point and it's like i was just to be geeky about this for a second i was just watching the obi-wan kenobi tv show (laughs) comes out every wednesday this is sponsored by disney so shout out disney um so there's a scene in the latest episode where Leia says to Obi-Wan, what does the force feel like? And he's like, you know, when you're in the dark and you're very scared and you turn the light on, how you feel? And I was like, he's like, that's what it feels like. And I was just thinking like how beautiful that statement is, like that line, whoever wrote it, like that's amazing. But also like, that's how it felt when I said that to you how I felt when I was able to say, it was just like, let me just like turn the light on here. Let me get rid of this sort of feeling. And it's amazing what it does to a room, to your point, like someone that says, oh, you know, I actually didn't, I felt the same way and I'm feeling the same way right now. Or like, oh, I didn't actually like that about myself. And that's why maybe they got good at it because they spent so much time thinking about it, you know? Um, But I think it really, it warms a room and it makes makes me feel great to be in a place where that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there's also a piece of like bringing your, I guess, ego down a little bit. I feel like I've been in small, you know, one room agencies and like 
again, big giant corporations and then giant like agencies. And I feel like all these titles and all these like levels and all these, you know, positions and certain income brackets come with such a big ego attached. And it's funny because we're all doing the same thing, which is like, you know, bits and pieces and branches of design. And I think like when you kind of like strip all of that away and just say like, you know, we've been through the similar struggles, we've been through sort of like the similar learnings. I was once also a student that was working day and night on my portfolio and like pondering on like, you know, a sentence or two, wondering if somebody on the other end, a recruiter or whatever was going to, you know, see it. You know, like it honestly comes down to kind of like stripping away all of that like BS that we tack on to all of these things we call important and just say like, wow, like genuinely, I really think you're awesome at that or you're great at that or like one, like even now you just said like, hey, I take down quotes of like things people say and I might have just said it and have forgotten it, but you actually took the time to like write it down. I think like those sort of like moments of acknowledgement and consideration are what honestly set some of the more, I want to say like, you know, human creative people apart that I've at least I've met. And honest, I'm not good at that. I feel like sometimes what happens is that because we businessify everything, including, you know, creativity, um, I have to constantly remind myself that like I'm a creator first and the business first and second. And um, it's unfortunate that like the two have to go hand in hand in order to be profitable. And I'm like, air quoting this but I think like you know it's conversations like these it's platforms like these which I thank you for creating to kind of remind us that now the two can the two need to sometimes be looked at separately if you know what I mean definitely and I totally know what you mean it's actually I believe I wish I had like sound effects on the show but I believe (laughs) that like you're the first designer I've had on the show so far um Uh I would say of all the guests, like ours are probably our experiences are the most similar with an education and design. So I totally get what you mean. I think there's like a commercialization of design, which like it's great. People are able to afford things they need by way of design and business and all that. That's cool. Um, But I think we've gotten really good at figuring out how to commercialize things and optimize things and there's this beauty and artfulness that exists within design that often gets forgotten of or forgotten about or or just kind of paved over because of other incentives that creating spaces to um, think about it, talk about it, develop it, cultivate it in a community, I think is like, those are, I guess, increasingly becoming more important than they ever have been. And so um, you're very welcome for creating this space. I'm happy that you're here and we could do this together. Um, yeah. So as we were speaking, um, I did was like, oh, do we talk about design? And maybe a little, maybe we'll get there. I wanted to start talking about education with a topic that I actually thought of as we were like admitting our, our insecurities and um, which is the myth of the teacher. I think that like when we were younger, you know, you you see a teacher and they're like the all-knowing being or the holder of grades or some mythology that we have. Um, obviously in my classes, as, as you've seen when I spoke to your class, um, and I'm sure you've experienced as well, and this is what I want to hear about, like there's a humanizing 
element that I try to bring to the classroom where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm just a few steps ahead. And like, here's some things that like, I'm not good at or great at or okay at. And like, here's where you're great. And let's just move, let's keep going forward, you know? But um, as an educator now, you, I can formally say that you're an educator now. That's pretty cool. Um, how have you seen that myth kind of play out in your classrooms and how, what have you done to, to circumvent it? Yeah. So it's funny. I feel like the universe just like gives you funny ways of addressing things. So it was the first day of class and everybody had sort of filed into the virtual room and, um, and I was just like waiting. I was like, Hey, hi everyone. Hello. And like, everybody was just like, you know, just there. And, and a few minutes go by and I'm like, okay, let's get started. And everybody's just like looking at me, like, who is this like person? And she's like, and then I'm like, hi, I'm Professor Kosher. So like the first time they're introducing myself and they're like, oh, you're the professor. We were just kind of waiting for somebody to come in <laughs> and like be the professor. I'm like, oh no, I'm not a student of a professor. And so it was like really funny because it was one of those moments where like, yeah, like I was in their spot just like a few years ago and I completely get their confusion, you know? And I think like it's, I thought it was such a funny way to like begin my first official semester ever, you know, of teaching human beings. And I think like to your point of like, how do you confront like all these questions and like humanizing, you know, what it means to be like, you know, a professor and have that attached to your name and everything. So I think a couple of things like played out in my, well, that was one of the moments that happened in the beginning. So that, that sort of set the tone. But I think like there were a couple of things that we did. I started the class with a weather report. I said, how are you doing? Right. And um, it wasn't always like, you know, how are you doing in class or in school? I was generally asking, even though that's what they started to answer with. I would generally ask them, like, how are you doing in life? Is it stressful? What's happening? And I got to learn about students like I'm finding a new job or I'm like, you know, dealing with like X thing at home that's impacting whatever, or it's inspired me in whatever way. So, you know, it, those weather reports turned out to be some of those like key moments where we connected and we kind of like developed, I want to say like a trust and a bond between, you know, each other in which I was able to, I feel like push again, new ideas to them and them being more like accepting of those ideas understanding them as well, like not just continuously pushing my sort of like planned agenda, but then also inviting their thoughts and feedback continuously, continuously. And that also included, honestly, like scheduled one-on-one -on -one calls throughout the semester. So I could like hear about like, you know, what struggles were they facing? Is there anything that I could help with in terms of their project idea or like the class content that was being, you know, put towards them? It also, honestly, like one of those calls turned into what have you got for your, you know, got planned for your future goals? Um, that was interesting because I got to hear about like each and every student's like, you know, hey, my biggest aspiration in life is to have my own studio or like I want to work for like X agency or like I want to just be a freelancer all my life. So it was very cool for me to understand like, you know, and some of them did not have any. And that's okay. Even just sort of like addressing the fact or like getting to know that they didn't have anything planned was totally fine too right um so it was about creating those human moments 
in which I got to know them a little bit, like not just about like, you know, their homework through their homework, but then like more about like, you know, what have they got for planned for their future or like, you know, what's working for them, what's not, et cetera. There's a few threads here that I wanted to cover. I mean, we started, I uh, uh, started by asking, what are the myths of the teacher? What are the things that the teacher, like the students project onto the teacher that they don't know? What is a teacher? What is the point of a teacher? What is the value of a teacher? And I think that like um, you mentioned like teacher as a researcher, like they're in this environment with people trying to, first they're trying to like curate a good experience, which is what you were talking about, right? How do we make a great experience? But part of that, it's not just like, here's an experience and everyone's going to do it. You need to really be intuiting how they're feeling. So you as researcher talking to them individually, like molding the class form to fit all of those individuals and then being the facilitator, like leading the charge, like leading um, thought and conversation and ideas, but also being able to like pass that facility, not pass the facilitation part off, but, but know when the students have great ideas as well. And like, they also um, like, maybe they have a seed of an idea that isn't fully developed or like a big question that they've never really wrangled with before. And I think you cued into like the teacher as facilitator is and where changing the form of the class comes in is noticing that being able to say, oh, like that's a big question. Let's talk about it. Let, let me help them frame it or reframe it in a way. So, um, yeah, myth of the teacher for me was like demystifying the teacher. What does it mean to be like, what is it actually? Like, are they the all-knowing being or are they something else? Um, and I think to your point that there are a lot more, there's a lot of elements, including the fact that we're humans that have insecurities and comparisons and complexities as well. Um, when, before we started, I had said, you know, when we were in college, it would have been so cool to have an episode where we could listen to like two teachers that we knew or one teacher that we knew speak about teaching uh, before we even had the class. It would be so cool to know. Um, and so, you know, I, I want this episode to be in many ways a message to past and future students of ours um, and also a cool marker in time for where we're at as educators. Uh, when I finished teaching the most recent class, I posted it to LinkedIn to let everyone know that I was done, celebrate get some likes, some shares. Uh, and someone commented and said, what was your biggest takeaway from teaching? And I sat with that for days. I'm still sitting with that. It's on my to-do list of writing an actual response to it. I have a long, long response. I'm curious to uh, for you, what were your biggest takeaways from teaching? Yeah, my gosh. And you're only giving me like a minute while you sit with it, right? For like way yeah, long. Yeah, you have to answer right away. Okay. I get to spend. <laughs> um, looking for you, I've been thinking about it since I ended teaching, which is like a week now. But um, <clears throat> so funnily enough, I also had like a deep rich and golden jack and it was like really funny. Uh, but anyway, that's like the stuff we do, right? Like we constantly like analyze what we did. But I want to say, I think like, I think a couple of different things. I feel like my biggest takeaway is that these kids don't realize that like, yes, we were in the same spot like they were just a few years, right? Um, but it also took like a lot of, I want to say like, um, you know, 
pushing and shoving and hard work and you know like it's easy for some of them to say like oh you know cool that you guys were just here and doing this um and i'm not saying like you know that people don't do that people obviously do that but i feel like you know allowing them to understand that competition is real you know like in the way that people or the world like teaches us um kind of like um you know just pushing through that is real i think like it's also not they're also not very well equipped um if that makes sense so like my biggest takeaway was that like you know make it like actually do exactly what you were just saying not mystify how to get somewhere so you know like one of the biggest things like i tried to do at every single step was you know show that you know okay so maybe after graduating my undergrad, I did this, I did this, I did this, and then I went to grad school and I did this and I learned this and blah, blah, blah. And like the, you know, value of meeting such and such people or going to such and such conference was X, Y, and Z. So kind of like actually connecting actions to outcomes and then like where those pathways led me allowed them to kind of deconstruct and demystify how we got from like you know oh my gosh from like school to like here right and in all honesty i said like and i have a long ways to go as well right like it's not that we're here and now we're importing knowledge to you guys because we feel like we've like achieved some status it's really not that it's basically that like we feel like we've learned an x amount and we're ready to share an x amount but there is like you know there's always going to be like again like a y amount for me to learn and be better and become better and so like yeah like takeaways include that students unfortunately like are given a lot of like theory content and not a lot of like you know actionable content and i think like especially in this like sort of highly highly digital resource you know filled world it's so important for us to say like hey it's not a mystery you can also do this and of course like chart your own path but this is how i did it um some of those classes even included like things like hey if you see this like you know beautiful piece of strategy or design work here are all the 10 or 20 messy boards behind it and I actually went ahead and like shared my screen to show them that work so that it kind of like they're not left wondering right they're not like left sort of guessing um it's right there in front of them and I think what sets somebody apart though and that's the piece where I feel like I will bring it back full circle to when I started that like yes it is you know hard work is that the, the piece that sets people apart is that how much you can demystify all these actionable steps all you want, but how much each student or person wants to take it further and explore on their own and develop on their own is really on their own time and, you know, I guess desire. So I feel like that would be my second half of my takeaway. It's like you can push and push and push and be good, um, but you can only help students or individuals as much as they want to help themselves yeah that's such a big one and and one that i thoroughly felt this time more than any other time i've taught which is like you can like people are giving and they might even be giving as much as they can give but like that effort to outcome like you said the amount of effort they're giving or the places they're giving effort is not resulting in the right outcomes or the outcomes they want 
and the feedback you can give is only going to steer them so much, or hopefully it can steer them in the right direction. Sometimes, you know, they resist it or, or whatever. And so, you know, um, you can only do so much, I think is, is really important because, um, as a teacher, I think something that students don't realize is like, you're managing the emotions, the processes, the uh, philosophies of each individual student. You're managing that in your head of like, okay, this is the way that person views the world, this is the way that person views the world, and I'm gonna help deliver something to them that will help them. Um, it's a lot more than just like, here is the content, and I'm going to redo the content, and when you read it, you will all equally be as good as each other, and everything will be great. It's like, there's so many more complexities and, um, you know, it's good that we're talking about some of those because I don't want to bore students that are listening like, oh yeah, we all have it bad. We all do have it bad. I think being a student can be really difficult, uh, especially seeing when they had all these finals do it once. And I was like, all right, I'm going to move the final to a different day or something like, and, and teachers have it difficult as well. You know, like time pressures, preparation, trying to show up for everyone. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think being, you know, self-compassionate really is the key, but also um, helping both sides understand that this is like, it's work for both of us. Uh, and we're ultimately trying to like, get people to be in the best possible place they can. That's that great so yeah, yeah. And I think like one of the, like one of the, I feel like key points that came out of my debriefing call again to Jack was that you know, I was kind of like fretting about like what grades to give what, you know, um, and again, what give or take goals there. And there was a great point like that, you know, he made, which was like, you know, it's not really, you know, these grades are not going to matter once they do go ahead and apply for their first job or internship or stuff like that. It's about like, you know, how much effort is somebody really willing to put in there to show like, you know, what are they capable of and can they excite the other person to say like, okay, I want to work with this person. Right. And I think like, that's something that's not lost on me, honestly, like even when I'm not getting grades, you know, in the professional world, right? Like the amount of like, you know, work we can like show and the amount of excitement we can create with the creativity that we, um, you know, display, I think like in a funny way is equal to that, you know, sentiment. And so, yeah, like any students like that do listen to this afterwards, it's like, you know, I would say that I wouldn't say like worry less about the grades because that's the Again, that's the currency of being in school, I guess. You know, like that's like the outcome you're looking for. Well, worry but about the requirements. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't want to be put on like, you know, <laughs> some quote that she told us not to worry about grades. Not true. I think like in the end, when I sort of sat back, I looked at everybody's effort. I actually looked at from like, you know, um, how much work did they put in? Um, how many classes do the show up with, you know, energy and excitement with, um, or even like being their real self, you know, if they faced issues and challenges, were they real about it or did they just kind of like let it go by? Um, how many times did they show up for like a fellow classmate and collaborated with them if they felt like, you know, okay, they're probably facing a challenging time. Let me, and there were a couple of students, they were, they, they saw that another group was like facing a challenge and they stepped up and that's amazing, right? Like those are, I feel like the kinds of things that as a designer or a creative, like we're community people and we can't like not be emotionally intelligent, you know? So I think like that counts a lot and that's like more than a grade. Yeah, that there's something that goes in between all of the assignments and the work and it's, you know, they call it participation on syllabi or whatever, but like, 
you know, participation, when I really sat to give that grade, it was about that. It's like the show up points, like what is the score you get for showing up and how do you present yourself to the world? And um, I think, you know, with, with grading and teaching as a teacher, you have to explain all of that stuff, ideally beforehand, so they know, okay, I can do this. And some people's default mode is better, just baseline level is like, they're just naturally better at showing up or presenting themselves better, faster, right? So there's that too. Um, but I think it led to a lot of meaningful conversations about one of the things we talked about a lot in my class was what does it mean to be a professional? Um, and having them answer that over several weeks and presenting uh, examples of that, of like real world examples of it in real time. Like we were working with a client in our class and showing like things the client was doing that was very professional, quote unquote. Why did that, why did that feel professional? The way they named files, the timeliness of it, these sort of things that are like, it's not just getting something done, but it's also how it's done. You know, if you sloppily name a file, if it takes you three days to return an email, you could maybe deliver at the end date, but the way you went about it sets a tone and like you, then it gets to a, the rubric and it says participation. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? But to me, and, and it seems like to you, it means all of that other stuff, that extra, it's extra effort, it's extra energy, but it's really ultimately extra thoughtfulness that you're bringing to what you're doing. Um, yeah. And care and thoughtfulness, these are human attributes. They're not things that you necessarily even need to learn. Like you're naming a file either way. So it's like, are you considering it or are you just doing it really quick? Like and if every, every step you make, you just ask that question, it's kind of, you'll know. And there's times where you can say, ah, oh, screw it. Like, I don't need to do that, but I'll do the next thoughtful thing, you know? Um, but to me, yeah, that's definitely how I graded participation. It actually skewed people's grades quite a bit. Um, I have a larger class, so I could speak about students a little bit more abstractly and no one will know, but it definitely <laughs> grades a bit, um, where the participation score was like way lower than a lot of other people. Um, you know, so I think, and honestly, if I could only grade on one score, it'd probably just be that. And like, you know, the final and how it met requirements, you know, that, which is just listening skills ultimately. Um, cool. So covered grading. We talked about the myth of the teacher and the myth of the student in a way, or the responsibility of the student. Um, I'm curious, what do you think students can do to be more creative or to hold themselves back less? Like, what have you seen that you felt like was holding students back, um, in the class from being that great student, from being their like best creative self? Yeah. I think like some of that I like sort of started to talk about or talked a bit about it, like in my earlier um, answer, but for sure, like kind of constantly challenging yourself to be open to new things. Um, you know, if like I saw that, like, again, by week eight or nine or 10, we were finally past the sort of question of like, but I wonder what am I going to use to make X, Y, or Z? And I'm like, it's not my job to tell you that, <laughs> you know, like you can, you can sort of like sense like, you know, my God, why is this, why isn't this person like helping me determine what tool I should use to execute X, right? Because 
again, I think it sort of like has that connotation of like, um, you know, commercialization that we just talked about, right? It's like, we are meant to kind of deliver and execute so that we get paid for whatever we do or whatever we kind of like, you know, deliver in print or web or experience or whatever. And so I think like one of the things was basically just, you know, encouraging students to open up their minds um, and open up their sort of like, you know, skills to absorb new things and welcome them to accept that there's other ways of like maybe looking at design or looking at research. And, you know, we found that some people love the research part and some people love the design part. Some people were super awesome at putting like, you know, beautiful, like sort of synthesis boards together. Um, but, you know, and then others were great, like the, you know, gorgeous digital designs that they did. Um, so everybody had like bits and pieces that they liked and liked more than others and others they were completely uncomfortable with. But I think like how to kind of like push yourself to be more creative um, really lies in like allowing yourself to be uncomfortable to at least try other things that may not be core to your skill set, especially when you're being like given the space in design school to do so, right? Like explore and learn. And so I think like, yes, we always have time constraints, like, you know, deadlines and whatnot. But, you know, if planned right, um, I think like, you know, students do have the chance to accept that, you know, uncomfortability, discomfort, and then kind of like learn from it. So, and like, I, I saw some of my students do their best creative work when they just accepted the fact that like, they were going to learn this and do this. And they sort of just got like, they were like, here you go. I tried this, this, I feel good about this. I have questions about what do you think? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where like, you start to really do some really good creative work because they're meeting me halfway and I'm meeting them halfway. And we're learning and creating new things together. Mm, a lot of great points there. Like, you know, how does one, and, you know, we're using the word student here, but really we're always students. And another myth of the teacher is that teachers are students. In fact, we're probably learning 10 times as much to even deliver material, you know? So, but that said, like, when we say student here, it's both the students that are actual students by title um, and anyone trying to get better and enhance their creative work. And I think to your point, this is, openness is where you started, like being open to the, the fact that there could be just the fact that there could be new ideas, like, and you could achieve those. That's part one. And then you're saying navigating that discomfort. It's like, all right, I know that there's like new goals that I've never even been to and it's going to be uncomfortable to get there, but I'm willing to sit with that discomfort. Um, and then this idea of new skill sets, you said outside of your current skill set. Um, a lot of times we kind of get fixed into like the idea of, well, I'm a audio producer, I'm a designer, so I can, I learn these skills, but it's like the audio producer that I see that's like learning video editing or the mix engineer that's learning graphic design or the designer that's learning songwriting that like, yeah. and they're incorporating those things in their work where like, you really see like, wow, this person is like, is just building a world, something that's interesting and they're expressing themselves even more. Um, and then, um, 
you uh, you were saying how when people were, were exploring this, they brought came back with so many questions. And this idea of just questioning, that's something, you know, if you want to, here's a cheat for any future student, like if you want 100% participation, um, follow what I just said, but also like <laughs> um, the questioning, that is like when a student get, asks me a great question, I'm like, here we go. Like we're in it, you know, like you're actually asking because you want to know and there's no way you could have formulated that question just like on the fly like you really did some things and you're you've tried some things and now you're asking questions so all really those were four really great ways uh through which people could um enhance their creativity whether they're students or just any other creative person uh, i had no idea how you would answer that i was like damn if someone asked me that on the fly not really sure what i would say so that was that was impressive. Um, thank you. Well, I am just feeling insecure around you again. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say it's just easy to come up with all these great ideas if you're surrounded by good ideas. You know what I mean? So, like, I think like it's the energy of this conversation. So it's it's all you, Michael. You just don't know it. <laughs> well, I would think this that's such a point in. Having recently moved, I moved like this weekend. Um, the change of environment is drastic and I don't want to get into it, um, but totally different environment and how you, like the people you're around, the questions they ask, the behaviors they have, the things they do, the things they're interested in, all of that affects you and what you make as a result because you're making a thing. So if you're at the center of that, you know, it's going to affect that. So, um, while I appreciate the love at the same time, it's like, it is that environment, right? It's, it's the right people in the right place doing the right work that really leads to that. Yeah. Uh, and I think like, again, I want to go back to that, like myth of the teacher, myth of the classroom even, which is like, what is the classroom? It's just a space for a period of time that we can ideally get better at the thing we're trying to get better at. And if you just view it as that, it's like, that's an amazing and fun place to be. Totally. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So true. And I know that like, you know, uh, just to give you an example, I know that we like, you know, had like virtual classrooms this semester and everything. And, you know, maybe we go back to in person. But, um, you know, we all as a world got challenged when we all had to shift our like, you know, ways of learning into just Zoom screens overnight. And, you know, that's huge. And one of the things I heard from the students was it's been hard to learn over screens. And I asked them, like, you know, what did you guys do in tactile sort of classes such as drawing and painting and stuff? And, you know, they were literally drawing and taking pictures and like sending it for feedback or were like, you know, to their professors who would give feedback on like, you know, digital screens and send that back. And it's crazy, right? Like just I just Honestly, all I have to do with that engine is that human beings are amazing, resilient, you know, creatures that can adapt to so much. So like, you know, yay us, yay us. But, <laughs> so but that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing was like, you know, we, we just to kind of like loop back on your thing of, you know, classrooms, I think. Yes, like we use digital tools such as Miro and stuff to, you know, create one space where we would collaborate with ideas and look at either each other's ideas even like add on to them as the other person is speaking so there was a really 
you know, no matter if you like build that community digitally or in person or hybrid increasingly, I think like the whole point is that how are you engaging with the other person and adding value in their communication and creating that energy to kind of like, again, like give an idea and get an idea and keep on just building that idea sort of Jenga building, you know what I mean? Like, Yes, I think like that's what happens in our conversations and which is why we can never like sort of keep it to, you know, whatever our schedule time is. So definitely. And it's like, well, I started my class off just asking the students, like kind of flipping the script and being like, what's the point of a teacher? I was just curious, everyone, like, can you answer this to your teacher? Like, what's the point? Like, why am I here? You know, like, why can't you learn this on your own? Like, obviously there's some reason, because if there wasn't, I wouldn't yeah. be, it would be like, so like, let's identify this and know it. And then I can be responsible for that. Or at least maybe, just, um, no one I'm sure really now, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there, you know, helping a lot of it had to do with the human element of like being able to see the individual as the individual, you know, the hardest task of a teacher is like. Kinza learns different than Michael. We're interested in different things. We're pursuing the same thing, but maybe not even. It's like, well, I want to be a freelancer. I want to work at an agency. It's like, are we even pursuing? Like, but having someone that's cued into us and the things, oh, he loves working with type. She doesn't like using any type. Like knowing those things over time and building that um, understanding is something that like you can't do on a, you know, pick choose your learning website you know those are awesome too but that's like that one of the big gaps is like there isn't that emotional and uh intellectual engagement with the individual and so you know i think having i really wanted the students to hold me accountable as much as i want them to be held accountable you know and i think it, it's important to create that that dynamic you know um and that's what i learned and was like okay that's a challenge. And I tried to meet it as did you. And it, it's a very, very difficult challenge. It's yeah. the question for you, did, did like family members, friends, people that like never taught before they, did they kind of view it as like, oh, it's pretty easy. Or I hear it's hard. Like what was their like response? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, everybody had that corny joke of like, oh, professor now oh my god professor Copper, hi and then i'm like yeah yeah whatever like whatever right like yeah after that like thing of things it was like you know it was yes like it was to that to people or like people who just i've never taught before and stuff like that it's like you know oh so literally came down to the following oh so do you have like you know a curriculum like do you do you give bad grades if people don't turn in their homework like what even is a bad grade I had to confront that right like um and then uh you know do you have a favorite student (laughs) you know like those are like very on the surface questions things that like honestly I didn't even like some sort of like face-to-face with in actual class right because they're really surface level things it's like okay so you know is it about a is it like you know you just go there lecture and then do you give homework right it's just so many more complicated sort of layers underneath each of those things like do I have a favorite student like I would answer that right like (laughs) you know so it's like yes of course like there are again different 
like homework means, you know, thinking about something and maybe putting thoughts on like, you know, paper and then actually presenting it. Or it might just mean like, go listen to this YouTube video or like, go find, you know, a thing, an actual, you know, like physical thing that inspires you. Like, again, it could mean so many different things. But yes, people have sort of like, you know, oversimplified what teaching is. And I, I think like, I don't know what teaching is. Like, I don't think I'd know that after like, you know, even 10 semesters. But I, but I do think it's not just like, you know, lectures, homework, bad grades, favorite students. I think it's like <laughs> much more than that. And that's me oversimplifying it now. But I love that. No, that quote <laughs> right there. <laughs> It's so true. No, I just, I remember prepping for the class at my dad's place and him being like, wow, you're working so hard on this. Like what's, what's taking so long to prepare for this class? And, and I sat and I talked to them and explained to him like all the phases I was going through to prepare and do the research and like plan the days and the sequencing. And like, um, he was like, oh, wow. Like I, I remember him like having this realization, like and like seeing like his simple conception of teaching versus like how much like technically there is to do and philosophically there is to do. And then just the emotional part of like actually managing the class and, um, you know, all of those, keeping all those mental models in your head in a way. Yeah, because it's a responsibility. These are like some of the first impressions these human beings they're ever going to intake, you know, and then probably remember her. Because I know that like there are just some key sort of like, you know, um, skills and key sort of even theories or key even beliefs that I remember from my teachers who taught some things and taught it so well that they stayed with me and became part of like, you know, again, my design principles or like my sort of tool set. Right. And I, I felt that responsibility because I was like, you know, yes, you can backtrack and say, oh, guys, I made a typo mistake or something and you can correct those. But, you know, there's a key like, you know, moment where we're transferring this information to like other human beings and, you know, essentially seeing if it resonates. And if it doesn't resonate, that's on me. That's like, you know, am I a good communicator or not? Am I communicating the right things? this information is going to stay with them and shape the way they think about something. If they don't like, if they hate everything I'm teaching, maybe I've like robbed them of the chance of learning something that may have changed their life. And I think like that's a big responsibility. For sure. Yeah. And it, it's not one to be taken lightly. I mean, I remember having similar realizations and just being like, wow, this is a real responsibility to show up. Um, I want to talk about mentors and significant people in your life um because i think teachers come in different forms there's the teacher in the classroom there's also the teachers outside of that um and you can choose from anywhere but i'm curious who are the significant people in your life that have influenced or stimulated your thinking and attitudes about how you work yeah i think there's a couple of different i have in my life, what I like to call a board of directors. And I can't tell you if I got that out of like, you know, a dream that I just dreamt up once or something that I read. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've always had this board of directors in my life and for like different pieces of it. And I feel like everything value and entrepreneurship related, I'll always look to my dad because he created uh, one of Pakistan's young, like first, um, at least a 
city that we lived, like first um, creative agency that did basically bold advertising um, in a country where, uh, you know, uh, models that didn't have their head covered, for example, weren't a thing. And he went that way and he was like, no, creativity should be more than that. And, you know, he took on that challenge and was absolutely challenged so many times by like, you know, groups who thought that this was scandalous and his business should be shut down and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, he stood his ground because he thought creativity meant much more than what like 99% of the people are doing. And he chose to be that 1%. And so like, he will always be like in that sort of area of my life, you know, one of my mentors. Um, the other one in undergrad definitely absolutely was Jack Harris um, and it continues to be actually he's now permeated in other places in my life but um, for sure like that guy I owe him a lot and I owe him a lot in terms of like all that extra time he gave me outside of class to shape my thinking as to like you know um, more as possible beyond the class I, I went to him with like incoherent ideas about what I want my future to be. And he basically told me that all these incoherent thoughts are valid, right? And that's a lot. That's a that's like everything to a student who is not only an immigrant and doesn't know how the hell things work, you know, in a new country, um, uh, you know, but also for like somebody who who wants more than a job in her life, right? Like I um, everybody who knows me well knows that like, you know, my end and end goal or like, you know, how and again, like I've shared with you, that's another conversation, but like, you know, is to is to like, you know, be an owner of multiple businesses that students stand for the values that, you know, I do. So Jack was basically the person who's only that all of this is possible. And um, and that's a big thing. And he continued to support me not only in that, but then also like writing recommendation letters for graduate school and being my actual thesis advisor in graduate school in School of Visual Arts. Um, he was, you know, with me for a year and more. He actually signed on to do, you know, that sort of like advisorship, like way before anybody else had a mentor or a thesis advisor. So that meant the world to me. Um, in actual graduate school, like I will always, always look um up to um Chris Will Lappin. Um he is a he's head of design at Big Ten Can, a um an awesome tech company. And um <laughs> I feel like, you know, in addition to his um awesome humor um and just the right nudges at the right time, <laughs> um, he actually, you know, uh, breathed life into um my my new consulting company which i founded with two colleagues at sva he became um, our first client um, and continued to give us work and you know just sort of like put his you know like client cap on it and uh, mentor cap on at the right times right and basically led you know our growth from like again just like a you know, newly founded company to one that was revenue generating. And that was awesome. So, you know, and then the best part, and there are so many others that I'm just not mentioning. Um, there was actually Professor Kim Wilde also at Farmingdale who just said one thing um, and that like made me realize how important it was to push myself out of my comfort zone. She was like, you know what, guys, like if you if you have to do one thing, it is to kind of like, you know, go and get a job somewhere that's going to teach you what you think you need to know about design. And that meant for me that I was going to push myself out of like certain like, you know, areas and go to the other side of like the state and get a job. Right. So 
again, like all these like people on my little board of directors that, and so many more that I'm not talking about, but I did mention the big names that have continuously, you know, just shaped Toyip up until this point. And um, I love them all and I would not be here without them. <laughs> I want to ask, because that, that's a beautiful tribute to three people and what they've done for you thus far and shown you and taught you thus far. I'm curious for people that are thinking, I would love that. <laughs> I need a mentor. I would love someone to help guide me. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I know they're the right person? Like, what would you recommend uh, based on your own experience? Um, go and bug them until they basically tell you to either F off or say, okay, I have no option but to like, you know, give this person like shit <laughs> Because that's what I did with everybody. I I remember, I especially with Jack, like, like I used to be in a class that I was absolutely like learning nothing from. And I'm never going to tell you what class that. But like, I used to actually say, oh, you know, I'm going to excuse myself and go to like, I don't know, get a snack or a ladies room or whatever. And I would actually go and like knock on Jack's room and be like, do you have a minute? And that minute would turn into like 60 minutes. Because I just like, you know, again, was just there and sharing my dreams. And he was there and he was like, you know, talking about all the things from like, yes, sure, design, but then business and then his life experience and then, you know, like life and what it means to have good values and, you know, um, how to actually, you, you know, learn from mistakes and apply them or don't apply them, like everything, everything. And like, it basically meant that this person was, you know, giving me their time, which is the rarest thing in this world and will continue to become inc increasingly rare. Um, that time is never going to increase. It's only going to decrease on people's calendars. And so anybody who's looking to find a mentor, just make sure that that person embodies um, all the values that you either strive for, all the goals that you either strive for. Um, and, and yeah, ask for their time, whether it's like literally a minute, because I've done that. Or, or, or 60 minutes or days do that because, you know, they've done that. They've done what you are setting out to do and setting your goal to be. I will also say another thing. I've asked people to be my mentors formally, and that has never worked out. And it's probably because I asked them. <laughs> All these people, I just like sort of, they adopted me as their mentees and I their mentor, but it, on, like well sorry them my mentor but like it it genuinely came from like relationships and a sharing of like thoughts and ideas and conversations that like you know um got accepted at both sides on some levels and I think like um it's important to know that like not everybody's going to be your mentor and and it's okay mm. why do you think Here's a challenging one. Why do you think they wanted you as a mentee? What about young you did they see? Looking back. Um, oh my God. I actually, I, I've <laughs> always called myself just like super lucky. Honestly, I haven't super lucky. I will say this. I will say the following. Um, I think that I was always upfront about uh, what I thought I wasn't good at and what I needed their help with or what I thought that I could learn from them. So 
like with Criswell, for example, right? Like I was going to start teaching and I was like, Criswell, you've taught like, you know, me, you've taught for like forever at SVA. Like I want to know what you know about teaching and I want to learn from you because I have so much respect for you. And, um, and he was like there. And like, I remember like his first sentence was, first of all, I'm really sorry that you've started <laughs> you've accepted you the one job in the world that is going to be like really unrewarding <laughs> I was like well thank you for that like piece of encouragement but after like, you know he yes he gave me actionable steps and like you know so and and then the same thing with jack like i have had um insecurities that i've like brought up to him and said you may not know what to do with this and you know as our sort of like you know like relationship development was more and more about like even like life values that we shared, not necessarily just career or industry related, right? Which is awesome. So I feel like it's it's always been like, see, I feel like for a mentor or a mentee relationship to happen, there is somebody who needs who wants to learn something. And then there's somebody who has the ability to teach it, or at least like, you know, that's the understanding. But I think like in the best like sort of, you know, the relationships that I've had is like I've had them tell me that, oh, you know, like I've, I, thanks for bringing up X conversation, but like that idea resonated or didn't. And so like, I would like to think that I am, and I've actually also asked, I've said like, what can I do in exchange for your generosity? I have asked that. Um, and they're awesome. Like, they, I don't think they've ever taken me up on that offer, but at least the option is there because I do know that I'm not paying them for this time. It is like amazing that they're imparting all this knowledge and wisdom that they've learned through their hard work. And I always appreciate them. <laughs> so I hope that like that's enough. But they have to let me, they have to let me know what it is. And you know <laughs> uh, that, that's a great answer. And I, I think you know a lot of the listeners of the podcast are actually in the music industry. A lot of young audio engineers, um, but also creatives. Uh, I've heard a lot of uh, engineers tell me their significant others will listen with them that are awesome in creative disciplines that aren't audio, but um, which I think is really cute. And uh, we're going to be doing an episode for those people um, soon. Nice. Spoilers though. But um, the uh, I bring this up because that industry, there's a lot of young people that are like trying to figure it out. And there aren't really schooling programs for them to go to per se that like net, like that have like the outcomes they want, but there are individuals that have those. And I think um, you brought up a lot of good points, but how do you approach those people that you admire, that you look up to, that you want to learn from without like being or without missing the mark somehow? So I think that, yeah. that's a really great point. I wanted to um, conclude the interview with a question that I'm going to be asking every guest until I decide that I'm not going to be doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, our listeners should know it's a very iterative uh, podcast. I decide and, and we, we change as needed. But this is the last question. It's been the last question for several episodes and I love it. I love hearing about this, which is imagine you're writing a book about creativity for your, your younger self. I'm the same person we were talking about looking for a mentor. What are the main points that you would include if they were in your classroom and you were teaching them? 
um, all these heavy questions, right? <laughs> um, so I think like, and in pure, like, I guess, kinds of fashion, I will always like self-reflect a little bit while answering this question about like where I am, where I was and where I want to go, because I, I'm going to go back to your point. We're always going to be students, right? There's always going to be things that I'm going to try and get better at. Um, and obviously where I'm right now is a lot better than where I was, like, let's say in undergrad design school, younger self that you're probably talking about here. Right. Um, so I will say the following because I feel like for the longest time, especially when I started school, I'd always had this like list that was divided up by like quarters of the year. Um, and I'd have goals for each quarter of that year. Um, and what happened was that it was going pretty well for me until um, up about like 2019 when I graduated grad school. Because after that, I'd achieved like what had appeared to be like, you know, one of my biggest goals in the eight to nine years that I'd been doing this for. Um, and this list had started um, the year that I had come here to the U.S., which was 2010. Um, and so, you know, that was like and the end of like high school for me. And so I realized that, you know, I had certain goals and, you know, a lot of them always, always, actually always, I prioritize academics. And so like you can imagine when I hit that goal school at the end, I was like, OK, where do I go from here now? Right. But that had included also like jobs and again, like some entrepreneurial, like, you know, um, ventures that like I learned a lot from and decided to continue and some I just had to stop and stuff like that. Right. So all of that was also happening. So for the longest time, I had this list. Just so I know, and, what were the what were the goals that you had on that list that you accomplished? So it was it's funny because I've actually kept a lot of the lists in a funny way. Um, so it always started from so if, our, if, for example, um, it was in, in grad school, I remember like a very, um, a point that was a turning point for me was like, you know, it was, I think, um, the, the second year and I was like, need to have an internship, so like quarter two, like by the end of May or whatever, like I would have an internship or like, you know, I would have like, you know, straight A's and then I would have like, you know, my first freelance paying gig um, and that turned to be then four gigs or five gigs or whatever by like, you know, uh, like third year or fourth year. And so I would be doing those kinds of things. And then like it was get a job in the city was a big one. I remember um, then, you know, get my get my first like six figure job was a thing um, between somewhere. Then it was like, you know, apply for grad school, get into grad school, get into a grad school that I really like. SVA was my top choice for what I wanted to do because it was a top choice in the industry. And I did that um, somewhere in the middle. I wanted to definitely do like both of my theses for my bachelor's and my master's. Um, I wanted them to be real things, not just student projects. And so ended up making both of them real things. Um, and one of them, which is like currently running under me, the other I sold. Um, and uh, and yeah, so stuff like that but um <laughs> i don't i don't even know why i ended up here but i think like the reason i'm, I would I'm up sorry i'm fascinated by this part even though i had asked a separate question which i want to get back to at some point i love this idea um and it explains so much about how you've accomplished so much um this quarterly goal list so i, I need to know the process here this is every year you're sitting down to do it or like every quarter you're sitting a quarter ahead or how are we planning this? 
I must know. I'm going to start doing this. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Um, it's funny. Okay. So, yeah. So, every December, I want to say 20, 20th to the 31st, um, I would rip out a piece of paper and actually write down, like, yep, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. And, um, and do this and, um, you know, and then sometimes it would be years where like I shared with my family or I shared with like, like, for example, I remember it was start of 2021 and I was at Jack's house, like in January and I just done this and I was like, I'm just telling you, I'm starting to do X and blah, blah, blah. What do you think? And, um, he's like, I love it, but you need to slow down, but I love it. You know, like stuff like that um getting feedback on that list is always nice um uh but um and that may shift some things around but yeah it would be in the final day 10 days um and i will say that like i did revisit it every quarter then just to kind of like see where i was or something needed to shift it blah blah <laughs> i'm writing these rules down this is great do you find this from a book is this something you created is this from your family like where did you come up with it my dad. Um, so my dad had us do this um, ever since I was a child. Every year we would talk about what are we achieving this year. Wow. I love that. <laughs> Shout out to Pops with the great <laughs> Um That is that is amazing. I think after this call, after I edit this episode, I'm going to uh, to do this. I love it. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Not all for existential guidance, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah do not go into an exercise like crisis at all i the one thing i will say is the following like have a plan for what happens when you've achieved it all mm. at least during that vision because i'll tell you where i'm right now um so i like i like shared with you i kind of like started the clock on my you know this sort of time when i immigrated in 2010 and it has been 2020, 21, 22. I'm not really counting the last one and a half years like a lot of us. I'm just going to say that. But I'm in this weird spot now. And I was just talking to my therapist about this. Is that I look back at the 10 years and I'm at a place where I feel like I've done that. And now I'm at a really weird place of like determining what to do for the next 10. Mm. And I had a really great vision that was centered around like academics and stuff like that for the first 10. But I don't really I have like one solid, absolute solid like anchor as to a goal. But a lot of other things are undecided. And so you're going to have to talk to me after 10 years, Michael. But like, I mean, it's a 10 year interview, June 1st, 2032. <laughs> but that's where I'm finding myself right now. And um, and I actually didn't write a list this year for the first time in 11 years or 10 years, uh, as an intentional thing, because I was confused and I, my mental health professional told me to be confused for a little bit and figure it out. And I swear it has been paying off because I've been just sort of writing everything down in a journal. I'm going to synthesize it at the end of the year, like, a, like the researchers we are and see what I want to do. <laughs> Mm, I like that. Yeah. You know, I spent uh, a year when I moved to LA, the first year I moved to LA doing that exact thing. It was like, I'm not like working 
for a nine to five gig, I'm going to like feet, but I'm deeply going to be in like exploratory mode to figure out what's next. And I know right. that just having faith that it will arrive based on like what I end up doing. Um, totally. I so I definitely have faith that you will find that as well. Um, I do want to get back to the question. Now you're writing a book for your younger self. What are the main points that you would include? Um, some of it has to do with this list. Um, I would include that, like having a structure is great, but don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. I feel like, um, one of the questions that I grapple with now is that if I took myself too seriously and I wasn't my completely authentic self with people because I took myself that seriously. Um, and so I would, I would include that. I would include like, you know, um, um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't really get FOMO in the way that people get FOMO. So I'm not gonna say like meet new people and all of that stuff. <laughs> but I will say the following. I would say explore more. Like just because you have a checklist doesn't mean that you can't like add like five things that are completely spontaneous. And that includes people. Um and that includes experiences and includes learning new things. So kind of like what I would be telling my students as to like have an open mind, definitely keep on doing that. Um, and then, yeah, like be ready and be excited. And the one thing I would say is like, that I actually got a big, big, big lesson in just like a couple of like weeks ago is that, and goes back to our commercializing some stuff. I got some professional feedback, um, that I should be less optimistic, um, because sometimes too much optimism may get in the way of being real. And it's funny because like at the same week. I actually got nominated for an award that was based on like optimistic leadership. And so <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would, um, I would say like, if you ever hit a point in your life where you start taking like everybody's feedback too seriously, like know when you've learned enough to kind of like say, okay, you've gone, you'd like, You've basically diverged all like, you know, these like learning years, these 10 years. And when you feel like it's time to converge a little bit, like filter out the BS and um, and yeah, just kind of keep what you want to keep. And it's going to be a lot harder to do than just to, like say, which I'm doing right now. But that's why it's in a book to myself. So <laughs> I can keep re reading it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm excited to ask this question June 1st, 2032. The see where you'll be then. Um, thank you so much, so, so much for joining. This was super fun. Um, I learned so much about you and I'm really excited to do this goal setting exercise. It's been a while since I really like took that seriously. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to speaking soon. In 10 years. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> no, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all the beautiful conversations and allowing me the opportunity to learn from you. I think it is an honor um, when people, you know, sit across you and think about things in a really highly thoughtful and deep way, like the way that you do. So I think like you, I was just telling Jack this, like you're an asset to, you know, whoever you, you know, whichever room you choose to be a part of. So thank you for that. And, uh, and I look forward to chatting too. Ah, that was beautiful. Thank you. If you've been listening since our first episode, thank you. If you're new, welcome. 
I hope you learned something today that will enhance your creative process, whether that's a planning mechanism, whether that is how you think about learning, anything. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. If you do subscribe, leave a review, hopefully five stars, I'd prefer. Thank you so much for listening. This is Exploring Creativity, and we'll see you next week.